We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends and lovely listeners. How is your relationship with time? Do you often find yourself feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or simply like you don't have enough time to do everything you want or need to do? For most people, time seems to be the biggest challenge in fulfilling their potential. The bottom line is we need time to establish and nurture our relationships, to be a good partner, parent, relative, or friend. We need time to take care of our bodies, to exercise, eat right, and get enough sleep. We need time to keep our homes organized, to make money for our careers, for our hobbies, to travel, and to fulfill our dreams. Without enough time, we are exhausted, disorganized, and spread too thin. When this happens, our relationships suffer, we are prone to accidents, we make mistakes, and we can experience health challenges. Like for most people, my relationship with time has often been an issue, but I've learned the hard way in order for me to find balance and enjoy my life, I need to create time for myself. I've learned I need to slow down, to get into the flow, be more present, and to become more productive. Time is indeed a precious commodity, perhaps even the most precious commodity, and it's finite. Or is it? Charles Bruxton has a great quote, you will never find time for anything. If you want time, you must make it. But how do we make time? That is the subject of conversation I'm having today with Marnie Makradakis. Marnie is the author of a beautiful book called Creating Time, Using Creativity to Reinvent the Clock and Reclaim Your Life. Marnie is also the founder of the Artella Online Community for Creators and the print magazine Artella. Additionally, Marnie is a workshop leader, speaker, and creator of Art Abundance Approach of Self-Discovery through art. So Marnie, I'm so excited to be having this important conversation with you today about this very vital relationship. Oh, thank you, Tammy. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. And I would have to agree that perhaps time is, uh, if not the most essential resource in the quality of our life, it's definitely up there. And uh, I'm just delighted to be here. Thank you for having me here. Yes, I've read your book. It's beautifully written, and the images are beautiful, and clearly um, you are an artist and a creator, as I am. So I recognize a kindred spirit here with you, Mm. but I want you to address uh, the fact somebody doesn't have to be creative or an artist to get immense value from this book. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. I'm so glad that you started there, Tammy, because that sometimes comes at the end of the interview where I feel like, oh, and people have to know you don't have to be creative. So it's a great place to start. Yes. Art and creativity is the modality for exploring the subject of time in the book. I wanted to approach time in a different way than our traditional time management approach. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the, the bookstores are filled with shelves of time management books, how to manage the time we have. And it's a very linear left brain structured approach that I think has a a few things 
a few aspects of that approach that don't necessarily work for a more right-brained, heart-centered, creative person. So I wanted to dive into the subject of time through a creative lens. But it's not just about fine art or creative writing. It's really just about expression and using creativity as a catalyst to see time in a new way. I believe instead of time management, that we can approach the topic of time reimagining. <laughs> what if we could imagine a whole new kind of time, a whole new relationship with time? And yeah, you definitely don't have to be creative. And in fact, some of my favorite stories from readers of the book are people who write and say, I don't think of myself as a creative person. I can't draw a straight line. I've never written a poem in my life, but oh my gosh, what I have found it's through playing with haiku poems and, and uh, collage and, and little drawings and sketches through the book, I found a whole new depth of what this topic can mean to me. I think that when we create art, it gets us out of our heads. And this is for making anything, whether, whether you are a fine artist or an accomplished uh, writer or musician, or if you're just coming back to this for the first time since kindergarten, it gets us out of our heads. And all of a sudden, percolating and uh, thinking about something becomes a body experience. Because when we bring it to the art, it goes in our bodies. It goes through our bodies. I love what you're talking about here. Because to me, inspiration is absolutely key in transforming not only our relationship with time, but our relationship with life. To inspire, to percolate, you know, in spirit, to, to connect with that 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 essence within and something else you're bringing up that, that I absolutely agree with. And I talk about all the time. If you're breathing, you're an aspect of the creator, therefore innately creative. But so many people seem to put that title away early in life for, for many reasons. And I like that you're bringing it back out into the forefront and giving people the opportunity to maybe crack the door open to that again. And, and the benefits are so, um, immense, you know, well, by virtue think, of stepping into this. Yeah, and I think that, that when we get out of a linear progression of thought, then the possibilities are just so expansive. Einstein said, logical thinking will get you from A to B, and imagination will take you anywhere. And, of course, he mm-hmm. also said that we can't solve a problem at the same level of consciousness at which we created it. So whenever we're having a big challenge in our life, our tendency is to just kind of keep it, keep it in our head. You know, we keep tossing about the same ideas. We keep telling the same stories to our friends and our colleagues and our families. And when we stay at that talk level, that think uh, cerebral left brain level, we're staying at the same level of consciousness at which we created the problem. But when we hop into doing art and creativity and thinking about our challenges in terms of poetry and characters and, and sketches and symbols, then all of a sudden we're reaching to a whole different place. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that is so powerful. It's not that we can't get there just by thinking or journaling or talking about something, but I think art and creativity gets us there quicker and anyone has access this. As you said, Tammy, we are all creators. Sometimes we just need someone 
to put the art supply in our hands, you know, to give us the paintbrush or give us the scissors and the glue and say, go to this place and find that refuge of inspiration. Yeah, if people could just get out of what things need to look like or should look like and out of the the product um, orientation of creation and just made it about the process, I think you can start to have a lot of fun with the process and then and learn so much from it. So you you are talking my language, Marnie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's so interesting. Um, there's an example actually in the book. So so the book for for our, our listeners. Uh, there are over 80 contributors who contributed art and stories and personal anecdotes of their experiences in going through the exercises and the processes in the book. So that actually was my favorite part of writing this book, was collaborating with these dozens and mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of amazing people. Some of them professional artists, published writers, some of them uh, parents, stay-at-home parents, professionals in all walks of life, including people who are brand new to exploring their creativity. And there's one story that I think illustrates exactly what we're talking about, Tammy. Um, And there's a chapter about metaphor, finding a new metaphor for time in our life and how that can become a guiding, uh, anchoring, grounding force. And there's a contributor who participated in a book. She said she hadn't picked up paints probably since kindergarten (laughs) and decided to take a leap of faith and try my exercise, which invites the reader to go through a series of writing prompts to explore a new metaphor for time. What if time were wet? What if time was a ceiling fan? What if time was a sunflower? And look at all of these different metaphors to find new layers of meaning of time in our life and then create a piece of artwork to create uh, and illustrate an illustration for a metaphor mantra that we want to hold on to. Well, this woman, again, you know, doesn't consider herself artistic at all. She connected to the idea of time being like a sunset. And so she went and got her paints and tried to paint a sunset. And at first she got really frustrated, right? The colors are running together. She can't make it look how it wants to look. She's focused on that product, like you Mm -hmm. said. You know, it doesn't look like a sunset. And then she realizes that if she just stops trying to control it and lets the colors roll together, then all of a sudden she's entered into this state of very childlike, uninhibited bliss, and she's happy as a lark. And then she has the aha. Oh, (laughs) what if I try to not control time? And what if I depend on its reliability like a sunset, but just like I don't have to control the paint, what if I don't have to control time? And she says this very sentiment changed her life, and she got there through Mm. the paint. That's the point, is that she could have tossed this around in her head and it was the paint that got her there. That's a, a great point. And, you know, I've heard often that control is our biggest addiction as human beings. And it's, it's painful because control is actually an illusion. So that, that is a beautiful uh, story and metaphor and lesson. And uh, it reminds me of my own experience when I was feeling very stressed about time. And I decided I wanted to create a different relationship with it. So I started saying, time is my friend. Time is my friend. I have plenty of time. Even though I was like, got two minutes to get out the door or whatever. It's like, oh, I'm just going to take a breath and it's a puff of air around me and time is my friend. And that really seemed to shift things because I wasn't trying to control myself or my environment or time. 
So I don't know. Is that kind of like, is, does that make sense to you? Is that something that you that is Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it's about, that all that traditional time management is telling us how we can control the time that we have, right? How to divide it up into little segments and how to be more efficient and how to multitask. And the approach that I really believe in and embrace is, is about changing the way that we experience time. So it's not just a matter of, okay, well, I have choices about how I spend my time. It's realizing I have choices about what I receive from time and how I feel about it and how I experience it. And I believe that it starts, in fact, the very first thing that I suggest in the book and that I suggest people do is start by looking at the words that you say about time. Because, of course, the words that we say are echoed back to us in our experience. And so if what we're saying is, oh, there's never enough time. I'm always running around. You know, there's never enough time. Or whatever our story is, I'm terrible at time management. I'm always late. Uh, there's not enough time for me to take care of myself. Whatever mm-hmm. our story is that we're putting out there, and it comes back to us on our experience. So just changing the way that we use words about time is a great place to start. And exactly what you said, just moving through our day as if we have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. That that has changed uh, my relationship with time a lot. And it's interesting because I've gone, and, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, I've gone from a, a linear looking at the clock thing to a more spatial relationship with time. And sometimes I'll tell my husband that, and he, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. But it's like, <laughs> I know it's time to go soon. I have this, I don't even look at the clock, but I can, yeah. I have a feeling relationship with time rather than just like um a logical relationship with time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think that, that that's exactly what, what uh, I'm, I'm hoping to embrace and, and, uh, and share through a practical way of how, we can, how can we establish that very intuitive, I loved your word, spatial uh, way of, of working with time. Um, when we see, well, well, what's interesting about time is that we've all had very interesting experiences with time. We've all had moments where, you know, five minutes seem like an hour or an hour seemed like five minutes. We know time is relative, not just from Einstein, but from our own experiences in life. When we compare an hour in the dentist chair to half to an hour with a girlfriend, you know, we know time is relative. And I think that those funky experiences with time, those, those hints at time's relativity, really show us that time really does not exist except for being in tandem with our own feelings about it. In other words, our feelings about the moment completely, uh, completely define our experience of, of how we actually inhabit time. So coming to a topic like time with a goal of creating time so that it's not something outside of us, it's not something we have to fight, the very term time management makes us feel like this is something outside of us. We have to manage it, you know, the race against the clock. There's a lot of very um, uh, sort of, uh, oh, kind of aggressive and uh, masculine energy words that we associate with time. And what I would love for us to explore more and more in a new paradigm shift about time is to explore time as our best friend. What if time is our collaborator? So we're no longer fighting with time, but we're working Mm -hmm. with time as a team player, as a collaborator, a friend, a lover in every, every moment, every day. And that's exactly, I think, what you're talking about when you 
can sense into time rather than looking at the clock. It's because you are cultivating that relationship so deeply. It's, it's an interesting su- subject. And I remember years ago, I was, I was getting my master's in spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica, and our teacher, Ron Holnick, was talking about this subject, and he blew my mind. And I wish I could go back and hear what he was saying again, but you seem to be an expert on time, <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you about this. He said, there really is no such thing. It's always just now. Or it's always just right now. And I guess that's what Eckhart Tolle was talking about, the power of now. This is what we have. This is it. This moment. That's it. There's really, you know, I was like, wubba da wubba da wubba. I don't even know what to do with that. It's kind of, it's an interesting concept. <laughs> well, and you can take this. I mean, there's some wonderful, uh, all kinds of wonderful beliefs in, in of course, in quantum physics that, that, that time really is just a, a facet of, of our imagination and that it doesn't really exist. And, and there, there I, I think that, I think that we can create time to be what we want it to be. So if we, if planting ourselves and grounding ourselves in the moment is something that really helps us, then that's the time that we get to create. Some people, I think, have a little bit of a challenge with that because they say, well, you know, what, what, about, what about my memories? What about the part of me that's so driven to connect to my future? If all I have is, is right now, then you know, um, then there's part of them that doesn't feel satisfied. And so that's why I think that we get to creating time means that we, it's not just about making more time in our day, although the book does have practical tips to do that, but it's about creating our own sense of time, going through a process that's in the book to identify what do we need from time and then how can we ask time to show up for us in that way. We get to choose. We get to decide. We think that we are at the mercy of time and that somebody else, whether it's a clock or, or, or somebody else's, you know, the gatekeepers in our lives <laughs> are going to be in charge and tell us uh, what time it is. When we really get to, we get to be in charge of that. One of the simple exercises that I think is really helpful is instead of looking at the clock and saying, what time is it? Just say, what does the clock say? And say that to yourself and to other people. And it's such a subtle, small shift, but it reminds us that we get to choose. In the book, I say time is not ours, like hours on a clock. Time is ours, O-U-R-S. We get to choose. We have far more control over our experience of time than we think we do. And and so I... I, I, um, I think that remembering that we can make our own clocks, we can choose all the little ways that we can remind ourselves, no, <laughs> the clock construct can be there as a helpful convenience, but the clock of my heart, the clock inside me is the one that I get to choose and that I get to follow. I like what you're saying, and it, it brings to mind a, a question I'm going to sit with a little later, and maybe our, our listeners can consider as well. What kind of relationship do you want with time. And for me, I just want a little bit of breathing room and peace. And, and that is absolutely something I've been making a priority in my life. And I do feel like things have definitely shifted and settled. I don't feel pushed or I don't feel like I'm grabbing or reaching. I've surrendered my ambition recently as an experiment and I'm liking this newfound relationship. Mm, <laughs> nice. Well, I think it's interesting when we look at, when we look at getting to create our relationship with time. And that's the first piece is saying, ah, what if, what if I could create 
my relationship with time to serve me. And then, of course, what follows is, is an exploration of well, what is that? What do I really need from time? And this goes back often to childhood patterns and, and areas, holes in our lives or our psyches that um, were not filled at that point. Um, it's really interesting when we look at our time beliefs and our time habits and our time patterns, because that's really, I think, that, that uh, all of our beliefs about time really are just old stories that we can change in an instant. <laughs> and when we look at those, it's, it's, it's helpful to look underneath the surface. For example, what is the payoff that we get for worrying about time? What do we get from our time anxiety? This is not always pretty <laughs> to look no, at. No, it isn't. I've had this yeah. conversation with a friend. She goes, I think it's an adrenaline ju- yeah. rush. And I, I'm like, maybe you could find another way of getting that adrenaline rush. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it could be. So a, a lot of the stories in the book, an adrenaline dr- uh, rush, mm-hmm. it makes me feel important. It makes me feel needed. All of these things, when we really look mm. at what is driving these old stories and when we're willing to be brave and bold and look beneath the surface, and it often has to do with ego. You know, one mm. of my little trips is when I get so busy, and this, this is when something, you know, one of those little aha moments when it really clicked for me personally. Have you ever, or have you ever heard of anybody, or maybe you've had this yourself, too, Tammy, when you're so busy and so much is going on and you think, oh, I don't have time to get up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> That's not a good one. <laughs> and, no, it's not. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, yes, I'm really so important. <laughs> I can't get up to go to the bathroom. And I, and I just had to laugh at myself and all of us for the self-importance that we give, that we assign to ourselves, that we think we're so important that we can't take time to do X, Y, and Z to really nurture ourselves deeply. That is we, so funny because I've done that. It's like, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, I'm so busy. Like I'm so in demand. I'm so important. Yes. My husband at the end of the day, well, what did you do? Well, I don't know, but I was really busy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I was sure busy. And here's the thing. We've all had experiences where we were so busy, right? <laughs> so busy we couldn't possibly take time off or, you know, go to, go to see this play or take a nap or anything. And then when crisis comes, we find a way. And this is the proof that we can create our own sense of time. Because when crisis comes, when all of a sudden you're really sick, or a loved one's in the hospital, and all of a sudden you have to create two hours a day to go to the hospital, or somebody has a funeral, so you have to take time off to go, you know, to to fly across the country to take time off work for that. When crisis comes, we realize you know, we can take time to do what we need to do, and the world does not fall apart. We're not all that important. Yeah. <laughs> you wow. know, things move yes. on. And, and crisis brings out this, this intuitive relationship with time. And think about after 9-11, and people were so much more aware and grounded in the moment, and who cares about the list, and who cares about, you know, all the busyness. Let's just spend time with people we love. Crisis mm-hmm. brings this out in us, but why do we have to wait for the crisis? <laughs> why can't so we live right. our lives so, with Yes, the priorities shift, mind? don't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to get a lot of, like, colds. I used to get sick, like, several times a year. And what I finally realized was it was my body's way of insisting that I sit and relax and do nothing. And I'm like, well, what about I do that before I get sick? <laughs> that yeah. sit time has become a lot more enjoyable now that I'm not blowing my nose and... <laughs> 
yes. <laughs> sniffling and just feeling rotten. So I, I do that now. I'll let myself relax or watch TV or get a massage. And you know what? I haven't been sick in over a year. So mm. I'm, I'm liking this new, new relationship with time. I'm liking that too. That is wonderful. I, I, and I love that you're aware of it, that you were consciously stepped into it and that you, that you are seeing the results. And that's what's so exciting is that you can yeah, see that, yeah. that just a small shift. Yeah, let me hang out and get some rest and not have to wait till I'm, you know, got Kleenex from head to toe. And, and like, seeing well, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it was just an experiment because it wasn't absolutely certain that what was what was what was going on, but in retrospect, now that I've experimented with this, I I am convinced it is that I just needed time to nurture myself, mm-hmm. time to mm-hmm. care for myself. Yeah. So it feels a lot better, I have to say. How's that working for me? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> And and the beautiful thing about choices, of course, is that we can make a new choice all the time. You know, it doesn't mean like we have to be perfect. You know, yes. oh, I thought a, I, I had a, a, a lack-charged feeling about time today, and now that changes, you know, that undoes all the good new paving I've done in that way. That's not true at all. That's the beauty of this moment, is that when we're really embracing the now and this moment, this heartbeat, this breath, it means that we can choose right now. You know, I think of life as a carousel and, and, and a horse p- passes by, grab another one, grab another one. You can grab a new thought at any time. And I that's a that. wonderful yes. way that we can continue to work with our, our, transform- our transformative thoughts. Yeah, I say life is like a buffet. Let's be like uh, an explorer or a spiritual scientist. And if you don't like something you're trying on, it's like shopping. You don't have to commit to it for eternity. You're just trying it on for now. And if it fits, great. Keep it. If it doesn't, put it back and try something else. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Or if, you know, you you liked what you were wearing, but then you slipped and, and, uh, you know, put something put something else on, you can always go back to the other, to the other more flattering view as well. <laughs> I love it. Yes, it's a really fun way of, of experimenting with this human process, this human adventure. So this is really a fun conversation I'm having with you, Marnie, and I'm really excited to um, continue the conversation. Now, quickly, if people want to get your book, how do they get it? How do they find you? Uh, the book is anywhere the books are sold, your local bookstore, as well as online booksellers. So the book you can find anywhere, Creating Time. You can find me at artellaland.com, which is A-R-T-E-L-L-A-L-A-N-D.com. We also have a Facebook community, which is Creating Time on Facebook, and that's a, a fun place to hang out and explore this whole new idea of a, a different kind of time and a new paradigm of this. Uh, the way that we use and explore time together. Excellent. I'm going to find you on Facebook. It's one of my favorite places to hang out. <laughs> so when we come back, Marnie is going to share with us a simple and powerful exercise that we can implement immediately to begin to transform our relationship with time so we can seem to have more of it right now. Definitely worth hanging on for. So hold on. We'll be right back with my friend Marnie. <laughs> Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn. Or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. 
lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you, the enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree. Yes, is that one. The free to be me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not so far away place. Come to the forest where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One in 800,000. And the odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Rebecca Romaine. As a former model, I used to walk runways all over the world. Paris, Milan, New York. This is Salif Diara. As a local health worker, he walks the pathways of his village in Mali, West Africa, every day to help treat severely ill children. Like many children in the developing world, those in Salif's village are threatened by common illnesses that kill millions worldwide. But unlike villages without a local health worker, the children in Salif's village get the care they need to survive. And even though you can't walk in his shoes, you can help him with his work. Help one, save many. See where the good goes at goodgoes.org and find out all the ways you can help get the good where it needs to go. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my lovely listeners and beautiful friends. We are spending some quality time with Marnie Macrodakis about her beautiful book, Creating Time, Using Creativity to Reinvent the Clock and Reclaim Your Life. So, Marnie, I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you. I am, too. It is a wonderful time, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Very quality, indeed. It's very, very just satisfying, soul satisfying to to have this dialogue and conscious conversation with you. So before we went to break, I mentioned that you were going to share with us a powerful exercise that we can start to explore, experiment with right now to transform our relationship with time. So I'm very excited Mm. about uh, settling in and just listening to what you have to share. Well, what what I'd love to share actually dovetails in exactly what we have been speaking about for the whole first half of the program, Tammy. We've been talking about how creating time is really creating a new relationship with time. And I think one of the most powerful ways to activate that is to create a persona 
for time, create a personified representation of time in your life. Because like any relationship, and you, of course, are uh, an expert in relationships, Tammy, and you're, so your listeners are, uh, will be, of course, familiar with all of the things that we need to do to have conscious, supportive relationships. Those include things like communication and fun and joy and working together and, and connecting. Creating a relationship with time is no different. So what I invite listeners to do is to create a time guide. You can think of your time guide as, as a, uh, a muse or, or a persona that supports, that identifies and illustrates and embodies the role of time in your life. And you can create this time guide using anything you like. In the book, we have everything from simple drawings with crayons on paper to a collage to taking soup cans from your kitchen and building something to create a time guide. Uh, One artist created the time guide as a funky phosphorescent Buddha. (laughs) So creating a time guide, a physical representation, what if time was a person in your life? And one way to connect to this is to, to explore, and this is helpful to do when you're relaxed and perhaps right before you go to sleep or when you have a quiet moment to yourself, to imagine that you have a time guide in your life, some some figure, some persona that could come and remain at your side and be with you most to help you with just the perfect guidance, support, and encouragement that you need regarding the subject of time. And then start to imagine what this figure, this persona or character might look like. What is he or she wearing? What is his or her name? What does she do when she's not connecting to you. Really flesh this out as if it was a character. And after you've created this representation, a drawing, a collage, a picture, a painting, now you have a persona you can communicate with. And that's how you can really establish this relationship. So start by writing a letter to your time guide, verbalizing, articulating what you need most. So it could start something like this. Dear Time Guide, I could really use your help. When it comes to time, I just feel like, and let yourself write. Let yourself spill out your questions, anxieties, worries, concerns, and curiosities about time. This is a letter that nobody else has to read. So you can really identify your deepest fears and, and, and the things about you that, that Uh, You protect and hold behind the layers of your external ego and personality. And then after you've written your letter, let yourself receive a letter back from your time guide back to you. So you're writing it, but it's as if you're channeling the voice of your beloved time guide that you've created. So look at the time guide that you've created in art, your sketch or your doodle or your painting, and read your letter out loud and then allow a letter to come back to you. So it could be something like, Dear Sweet Marnie, I am so glad you wrote me and shared your thoughts with me. Here is what I most want you to know. And allow that voice to come through 
and continue making and cultivating this habit to connect with your time guide, especially when you're feeling stressed or busy or like there's not enough time or the time's moving too slow. We have an enormous capacity to change the flow of time and make it move more quickly when we want it to and move more slowly when we would like it to. And I go into that in depth in the book. But reaching out and just asking time for what we need is so powerful. And when we do that with a real persona on the receiving end of that, it makes it even more powerful. People have used this time guide exercise to great benefit and found that it really, really works. And I use it all the time, you know, myself. It's just a way to connect. You know, we all want to reach out and ask for help. We want somebody or something to support us and help us. And creating our own time guide is a way to bring that force into our own control for our own joy and gratification. I like this. I'm an archetypal hypnotherapist, and I've used that very exercise in many different ways. And I had never thought about using it in uh, my relationship with time. I've done it with Mr. Money Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have, it show, have money show up as an archetype mm-hmm. and dialogue and listen and become friends. But that's a fantastic exercise that we can use to really shift our experience of time. I know how powerful and effective it is because I've used this, a similar thing with many other areas, many other situations in my life. So that is um, some wonderful suggestions. Great, great wisdom. Well, my mind guide personally, I'll just share real briefly, is a a tango dancer. And because that immediately helps me remember that it takes two to dance the tango of time. And so all I have to do, even, you know, if I don't feel like going through the whole letter writing exercise, for example, it just by having named and claimed that guide as a tango dancer, I can immediately shift myself there and remember that I'm in partnership and that we're gliding together and that we both need each other. And that in itself is so relaxing, especially in a stressful moment. And that it's fun and beautiful. I see Mm. colors and flowing and and it's fun. I mean, the point of tangoing is, I think, for the joy of it. Yeah. And the drama. (laughs) Well, there's that too. (laughs) So I'm curious, Marnie, how did this book come into being? Why did you write it? I wrote this book, Tammy, because I needed it so badly. It was the book I really, really needed myself when... For me, time became more challenging than ever when I, I had a child who's now four, four years old. Um, but when I had him and he was my first, my, first, my first child and I was an older mom and very full life, successful online business, lots going on. And I just, I guess, thought I'd throw a baby on top of that. And like many new parents, was completely floored uh, by the... By the experience and feeling, I, I, I immediately fell into the sense of lack. Like, there's not enough time to do it all. I can't do it all. Um, and I just was constantly chasing time, and it was so exhausting. And what I was realizing is that as I was going to traditional time management, and I was devouring time management books, and I was trying to get more efficient, and what I was realizing is that as I was breaking my time up into these tiny little segments in order to be more productive and more efficient. And as I was multitasking, you know, that I'm nursing while I'm working and all of these other things, I realized in looking at my sweet little baby boy, I realized he's not getting a full me. He's getting a segmented me. 
And then it didn't take long to realize, ah, I'm getting a segmented me too. <laughs> I am so, um, so thrown into this multitasking way that I'm never fully, never fully in time. And I wanted a different way to look at time. And I thought there certainly has to be a way to, to friend time, to, to use time for it's, it's wonderful, for everything wonderful that it has to offer. And to allow myself to move beyond what I called multitasking to, to now calling multi-basking, you know, taking it all in, perceiving the width and the expansiveness of every moment. So that's what I needed right around that time. And I, I wasn't finding it in a book. And, I, and so I decided to create an online journey uh, in, my, in my online community to explore time through spiritual and creative means and do that myself in the camaraderie of a, of, a, of a community. And that's where this really began. And it took me on a wonderful journey that took me into corners of exploring science and, uh, and art and really finding a new sense of, of time to share. And I love that the book came out in 2012 because there's all this talk about, you know, the ending, the ending of the world. And I think that my, my hope is that this book invites a conversation about what if this year really is the ending of time as we know it, as we can open up to a whole new sense of, of what time can be for all of us. Well, and you bring up something I've discussed before, and I, I so love it. Maybe it is the end, but sometimes we have to have death before we can have rebirth. We have to have yeah. the end before a new beginning. So maybe yeah. that's, that's another way of looking at it. Well, and I think part of, of, of reassigning and, and claiming new beliefs about time and the way that we metabolize our time, I think that there is a bit of a letting go and a grieving process. You know, mm-hmm. our old patterns and ideas about time, oh, there's not enough, I can't, there's, I'm always chasing it, or I'm too, whether we're too busy or we're too bored, it's interesting. It really comes down to the same issue, which is that time is not supporting us in living our lives to the fullest. And wherever we are on that spectrum of being too busy or too bored, we can choose a new belief. But I think that those old beliefs were there for a purpose to serve us. And so I think that there is a bit of paying attention to paying attention to those old words and, and allowing a, a bit of, a, a bit of a, a letting go, you know, that like you were talking about with your friend earlier, that adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding that adrenaline somewhere else and letting go of that adrenaline rush that she feels with mm-hmm. time and being okay with that. And so I think that that's why it's not enough to just say, you know, okay, we'll just come up with a, a new belief about time. <laughs> you have to dig, you have to dig deeply to see what this is all about. Where do these old beliefs come from? And what do you really want to choose your new beliefs to be? How will time serve you the best? And that's what I wanted to do with the book is to really allow an introspective but fun process to allow each reader to really tailor-make this to her, her own um, situation and experience. Mm, yes, I, I like it so much. And what you're bringing forward for me as you're speaking is, you know, I think so many of us are rushed and we try to pack so much in because we want that feeling of really being alive, you know, the adrenaline or whatever. But perhaps there's a more pleasant, pleasurable um, positive way we can get to that place of feeling really alive. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's been slowing down and getting really present. And I loved what you said about 
instead of multitasking, multi-basking, just basking in the aliveness and energy and essence and magic and beauty of, of this human experience. So just, just kudos to you and this project. It really is so lovely. So lovely. Thank you. It was just a a joy. As I said, the collaborative piece of it has really, really made it very rewarding. And it has continued to be on the book tour just to to see what other people do, what they come up with as they go through these exercises and the different art projects. I call them art assignments. It's just amazing to see uh, that all kinds of new relationships with time are, are being formed. And that's really, really exciting, I think, for all of us. And I think the more that we talk about it, Change, of course, always happens in dialogue. And so I think that being more honest about time just in our daily lives, instead of just going to our default, oh, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Look, look more deeply and say, well, what are you really saying? Because I don't have time for that is often code for something else. Like, I don't have passion. I don't have belief. I don't have interest. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it, it, it's worth it for, both, for ourselves and all of our relationships to really name the truth, instead of just blaming time as this ultimate scapegoat. Interesting. And yeah, because you'd be saying it's not a priority or perhaps I'm not important en- enough to take the time for what really matters to me. So it could yeah. be a couple of different things. I yeah. like how you're posing that question. Yeah, and, 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 and bringing that into our conversations with our colleagues and our, and our friends, I think it's really helpful. And when, you, when we hear people in our lives sort of say they're caught in their own stories and saying the same thing over and over about time. I think that it's really helpful for us to say, would you be interested in exploring a more open viewpoint or a more supportive viewpoint about time? Here's something I've noticed. So that this is something that we're, this kind of conversation that you and I are having, Tammy, is something that we all can talk about as we look at and evaluate and explore a new kind of, of time and a new layer and nuance of, of, of magic and moldability and flexibility of time in our lives. And I think our relationships really help that. Mm, I like that. And we can invite more magic in to our relationship with time, our relationship with people, relationship with life. And just opening our mind to that possibility, I think, cracks the door open to the experience. I have a whole chapter about synchronicity, and it's a, it, that is one of the ways to play with time, <laughs> when time can be so much fun, when you start playing with cultivating synchronicity in your life. And so when you think about, well, how can time be more magical? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, synchronicity, of, of course, when time sort of crosses and intersects, and is, is a wonderful way to play with time and uh, another wonderful, fun way to make time magical and fun is when we start playing with ways to make it move fast and move slow at our own will, that we control that, how to make time move faster when we're at the dentist. And that's one place, in fact, where multitasking comes great, <laughs> comes in, <laughs> really comes in hand because multitasking makes time feel like it's moving more quickly, which is why in our daily lives, I think it leads to more frustration because we're busy, so we multitask, and we feel like we're, we're losing even more and more time because our perception gets warped. But when we use multitasking to our advantage in a time when we really wish time would move a little bit faster, uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty amazing to realize we have that power. Yeah, I've done that when I'm sitting in traffic or, you know, waiting in lines at the grocery store. It's like, how can I best use this little puff of time I've been gifted? Yeah. <laughs> Which yes. is a different um, 
philosophy than I've had in the past where I've gotten so angry. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. an opportunity to, you know, review my affirmations or intentions or, you know, what I want to create with the rest of my day or week. So uh, to use those little, I've, I've decided to think of them as gifts, moments. Absolutely. You know? And yes. there's, that's a world away from, oh, can I just get through this traffic jam? You know, that's a, exactly. <laughs> the whole energy is different. Yes. Exactly. So could you um, explain to me, because I'm not familiar with this, the concepts of Kronos and Kiros and their relationship to create? Yes. Yeah, this is a really, I think, a, a really helpful point. Uh, the Greek language has several, well, this is true for several different, uh, different words, but, but in, in, for the word for time, the Greek, have, the Greek language has two words for time, and the words are chronos and kairos, and they herald back to characters in the Greek pantheon, but they're actually, these are words used in conversational Greek today. Chronos refers to sequential linear time, and in fact, we get our word in English, chronology, from the word chronos, K-R-O-N-O-S. And kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, kairos refers to nonlinear, numinous spiritual time, a time that is not measured or bound. It's the time between the times. It's the spontaneous time. And I think that those, having that different, different uh, differentiation is very helpful because we can start looking at our lives and see the moments of when we're in Kronos or Kairos. And in those moments when we are allowing ourselves to just be in the moment and be spontaneous and not be bound by the clock or any other boundaries, we're allowing ourselves the gift of Kairos. Now, it's kind of like the right and left brain in that one is not inherently better or more evolved or more spiritual than the other but that they can work together. And so I think the real balance and peace with time in our life comes when we are able to call upon both Kronos and Kairos and see them both as very positive energies that can support us and work together. Kronos energy helps us organize sequence, helps us put ideas into order, helps us know when to call into a radio show at the same time as the host. (laughs) (laughs) Kronos time is a very helpful, supportive construct. And Kairos time lets us dive into those gifts of creativity and timelessness and flow. And when we call on both of them together, that's where we can find that uh, heaven on earth, right? Find our divine state still here on the earthly plane. So I have a chapter on Kronos and Kairos and developing both of those energies in our lives. And I think that really brings a holistic view of time. It's not that, ooh, clock time is bad and, you know, heart inner time is good. It's that they're both used for different purposes and together they come together in partnership. I like that. And so this may, you may have already answered this question between speaking of synchronicity and the Kronos and Kairos, but Tom, I'd just like to hear a little bit more if you have something to say about what is Divine timing. Mm-hmm. Divine timing, I think, is when we allow ourselves to, to tap into the, the intuition, that intuitive relationship with timing, to trust. Divine timing is all about trusting that time is on our side. And that's a stretch because 
our linear society, again, our sort of default tends to be going to, okay, time is something we have to master. Time is something that we have to fight. There's a race that we're fighting, you know, us against time. Divine timing is a trust that all is well, all is right. And we've all had this experience of realizing, you know, being frustrating, being frustrated that perhaps the timing didn't work out about something and then later understanding, oh, that's why that didn't happen. It was actually and, perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's actually perfect. And I think if there, when I think about, if I have a, uh, because I have a young child, and of course I think a lot about time and children, and, and what do we learn about time when we're growing up? You know, when children are growing up, time is often the thing to blame. You know, can we go to the park? No, there's not enough time. You know, we're always blaming time for not getting to do the fun things. And I think it's really important for children, including the children inside us, to realize that time is there for us and always supports us. And oh, how I would love for children to learn that divine timing is a value that we trust, just like sharing. You know, we have to work so hard to get our children to learn to share. What if we were teaching our children that the, the, the timing is always right. You couldn't do it wrong if you tried. And I think that that is such an important part of time and timing is trusting that everything always unfolds perfectly instead of fighting up against it. Yeah, you bring up some of my favorite subjects, just trusting the same energy that moves the planets around the sun and is responsible for holding the stars in the place, that it's on our side. So faith and balance and flow. So how can we have more of that? I know you've given us a lot of tools. Do you have any, any final thoughts about how to really align, get into that faith, balance, and flow in our lives and with time? I think when we look at, and helpful exercise can be to look at the places where we do feel that time, when we do feel in flow with time, of course, um, psychologists and scientists refer to the flow state as when we separate ourselves from our awareness of time. And what's interesting is when we find timelessness is when we experience the fullness of time. You know, that's when we really experience how much time has to offer, when we step away from it. And if we look at our lives and see, well, when do I tap into that timelessness? Is it when I'm gardening? Is it when I'm hiking, when I'm meditating, when I'm with friends, when I'm making art, when I'm listening to music? When are those moments that we really feel deeply, truly ourselves and deeply at one with the movement of the earth, with with whatever language, you know, <laughs> floats your boat, you know, whatever's right for you. When do you find that oneness? And pinpoint the specific characteristics of that. Why is it that when I garden, I get into, I tap into that? Why is it that when I make art, I completely lose track of time and, and just feel so at peace? And then bring more and more of those elements into other parts of our lives. So how can you take the magic that happens when you're outside on a hike? How can you infuse that into the time when you're washing dishes <laughs> or in that traffic jam? And so I think it, it comes at really looking deeply at those moments of experiencing flow and timelessness and injecting them with consciousness. It comes back to consciousness, making a choice instead of feeling like we're at the mercy of our experience of time. We get to choose. Mm, that's excellent. That's some really good wisdom you have there, Marnie. <laughs> 
Well, something I, I have uh, explored and, and believe to be true is uh, when we lose track of time, typically we're really aligned with our own higher selves, souls, or life purpose. But I like your suggestion there to be able to take that energy, that feeling, and bring it into other areas because we do have that uh, power and choice. We have so much more power than we think. Exactly. And we're, we're used to, most of us are used to chasing time, wishing time were different, being slaves to it, wishing something was different. And of course, this isn't just true about time. It's true about everything. And that's why we're talking about this anyway. I think that our feelings about time are a mirror and a reflection about our feelings about our whole life and life itself. And when we can make a new choice to enter into, to really enter into our power and, and, and realize, I, I can, I can choose this. I may not be able to choose what happens with the next four hours because, you know, I have to go to work, I have to do carpool, I have to do X, Y, and Z, but I am completely in the driver's seat when it comes to my experience of these next four hours. And that mm-hmm. is where time becomes such a wonderful resource because it is, a lo- it is time that allows us to express our experience in this world. That's how we show up is through time. And that's where I think this gets very exciting. You know, we have this, this, uh, this idea of, you know, creating time. And I've had people say, well, you know, you can't just create time. You just can't, you know, it's not like bread. You can't bake it in the oven and make some. But if you were to take away if we were to take away all of the time that we use worrying or in dread or anxiety or stress, if we were to suddenly take that away, all of a sudden we would have a lot of time. (laughs) It's pretty amazing because sometimes when we say, oh, I don't have time to do that, often it's not the that that's the problem. It's all the worry and stress associated with it. So just being more honest and aware and really owning that power that says, yeah, I can create and mold my experience of time to be anything that I I want it to be. I get to create this day. I get to create my thoughts and my experiences. I get to choose what I take away from this moment. I get to choose my time. Again, time is not ours on the clock. Time is ours. We get to decide. Yes, we're not a victim of it. It's not an enemy. It's In truth, it, it can be our friend and our supportive ally um, on this human adventure. So, yeah, I, I have a question for you to consider, you know, my, my lovely listeners. What is something you can do to create some tasty time for yourself? And I would love <laughs> to hear from you either on Facebook or you can always write me on my website, TammyBPhD.com or TammyBPhD at gmail.com. And that's Tammy with an I. So, Marnie, just to kind of, we have a couple minutes left here to put a bow on our, our tasty time, our beautiful time together, our magical, glorious, wonderful time. What is it you would like most for people to take away from our conversation and from your book? Well, it's interesting that the quote that you said at the very big, uh, the, the uh, introduction, you know, when we don't have time, we have to make it and, and or we have to create it. And I think that that's the idea, is that to catch ourselves, if, if more and more often we can catch ourselves when we go to that default belief, oh, I don't have time, oh, there's not enough time, oh, I'm running late, and instead 
shape that to something new and realize I can choose how I feel about this right now. I can move through my day as if I have all the time in the world because I do. <laughs> because what's so interesting is that for all the talk about how there's, you know, there's not enough time, time is really all we have. It is infinite. For as long as we're here, time is all, all we have. Of course, we don't know how long that is, and that's what makes it more precious. But one thing I like to say when somebody says there's not, a, there's not enough time is I say, there's, it's sitting right next to you, <laughs> right there. Here's time. <laughs> and when we're sitting around complaining about how there's not, not time, that carousel is spinning round and round and round. <laughs> and there were horses that we could have got on and, and grabbed and, and ridden in this wonderful journey of life. And I sometimes do that myself when I feel busy. I look into the air. I, for me, somehow I associate it on the right side of me. I look to my right side and I say, okay, there's all this time. There it is. It's just sitting there. <laughs> so just to change the way that we think about and experience time, that is what I would most wish, for people to come away perhaps with one little tidbit that says, aha, and the next time they find themselves in that old story, say, what if, what if, what if I could make time in this moment be what I want it to be? What would that be? And claim that choice for themselves. Hmm. Beautiful and empowered words of wisdom, Marnie. This has been just a fabulous segment of time. I like dessert for me today. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I see time as sprinkling glittering dust that's falling on me and all around me in a beautiful puff of time all around. And I'm in the center of this mandala, the center of the clock, and there's plenty of time. To, to connect with the people that I love, including you, Mike and Brent Carey, and my listeners, and experience this connection, this sacred magic that is, that can be our human experience. So I'm just so, so grateful to you, Marnie, for taking this important and valuable time to have this conversation with me. Thank you so much. And listeners, I, I hope that this will trigger conversations that you'll go, go home or go out with a friend or, or to your workplace and continue uh, that the things that are dancing on your brain, bring them forward, bring them in conversation. That's where change happens. Let dialogue support you in the same way it supported, supported Tammy and I today. Absolutely. So again, uh, to my listeners, if you'd like to go to my website, TammyBPhD.com, I have a guided meditation you can listen to that will help you relax into your center, maybe cultivate more time, remove those obstacles so that you can manifest the life of your dreams. Because I think we all have that potential. We all have so much more power than we think. So thank you again, Brent Carey, for this forum called Empower and this opportunity to have these conversations. I just am so grateful to you and for our friendship and the friendship of my listeners. So um, just take care of yourself. Be in touch with me. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, stories, revelations. Those are some of my favorite things to talk about, lessons, learnings. And uh, just know that we're sending huge blessings from our hearts to yours. So God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.